Welcome to the Ohio Adult Allies Podcast Season 2, where we are developing, inspiring, and empowering youth leaders. In today's episode, we are discussing how to get started. And now to our host, Jessica Kalura. My name is Jessica Kalura. I'm a research associate at Ohio University's Boynemich School of Leadership and Public Affairs. Um, while I do not currently personally facilitate a youth-led program, I have had the honor of working um, with the Ohio Adult Allies Initiative, which advances youth-led programs in the state of Ohio for the past seven years now. So Sunessa, if you could please introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Sunessa Tolley, and I am a prevention specialist in Southeast Ohio and Switzerland of Ohio School District. And I facilitate um, a youth-led group called Monroe Rising. Um, this is my first year doing it on my own. Um, I did the, the last year I did it with uh, another facilitator um, and I kind of came in in the middle of that. So this is, this is my first time really being on my own with it. Thanks so much, Sunessa, and thanks for being here with us today. Travis, will you please introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, Travis West. I work for Ohio State University Extension in Benton County. Um, the youth-led group that I have is called Youth Engaging in Action, or YAY for short. Um, and so um, I guess this would be year two, two or three um, involved um, with that group from the sort of the first um, brainstorm session with some some teenagers at Benton County High School. So. so you said that you have been working with your youth-led program for two or three years, and I'm curious if you can just tell us how you started your youth-led program. Okay, so um, <laughs> remember way back when. So we kind of started out of... Um, a conversation with the local prosecuting attorney. And so she was very um, passionate about um, youth prevention and youth education around opiates. So that was kind of her focus. Um, so out of that group, um, she had some programs at the school, um, but out of that, we thought, well, there's more than we can do. And, and her work was really um, sort of led up to a one-day event, but it was very much adult-driven from her office staff. And so the need to think about, well, we can do more um, with youth that are in the school, and we can do more things throughout the year versus sort of this end-of-the-year culmination large event, which was um, effective, but um, the guidance counselor that I work with at the high school on some other projects had approached me and said, hey, I think we have some kids that are really interested and really concerned about the behaviors of some of their peers. What else can we do? And so that was kind of the initial conversation. Um, and so what we did was we um, had some announcements throughout the week. We had a, a couple initial meetings, like, you know, if you're interested in this, show up during this, um, what they called um, like a, I forget what they called, but anyways, it was like a, a 40 minute period where they could meet with clubs and organizations in the middle of the day, sort of right before lunch. 
Um, and so um, we met with a various groups um, the first couple times, and then we really kind of established a core of kids that were really committed to, to thinking about what could they do themselves and sort of a youth-led effort among, among peers. So Ours sort of started that way too, Travis. Um, it started before I came on board, but the um, previous facilitator for our group was also the advisor for the Kiwanis Key Club. So she began the youth-led group with the core group of kids from that bigger club. So I think that helps a lot of people get started. Thanks, Inessa. It's interesting the history of just kind of who initiates and wants the youth-led program within your communities. And then also how you find those initial young people to participate in the work. So in both cases for you all, it came from another existing group, right? That you could then identify and recruit young people to participate in this specific work. Yes, I would, I guess I would say a caveat as I was thinking about that, Jessica, was um, what, and this kind of leads into question two, not too far, but was really um, the fact that we had originally talked with student council as kind of our first group. And what we found out is that we were not inclusive at all when we think about the gamut of students. If you think about, I don't, you know, the total you know, you look at the student body and sort of the um, differences among students, it was very, um, those were kids that were all highly involved, um, all really good students that excelled in academics, all really involved, most of them in athletics or other um, clubs at the school. And so um, I will say that the number of kids that stuck around from that initial our first conversation was just with the student council um, was two. So initially we had about 18 students and two of them really were committed. The rest of them sort of fizzled out within a few months. And so um, when you think about groups, I think it was a good way to kind of get in the door and it seemed like, okay, there's already an existing group that might have interest. Um, but then um, some of the challenge of that is like, how do we be more inclusive of all populations at the school and they were not reflected in that necessary group. So then there, it was a process um, to kind of recruit and figure out how to bring those students in. Sunessa, I'm wondering if you could explain a little bit about how youth-led programs differ from other forms of youth leadership programs, especially hearing um, Travis talk about drawing from student council, your history of drawing from Qantas Club, these are other leadership programs young people may be involved in, but we know that youth-led programs are distinct. Yeah, absolutely. The bottom line is the youth build it. You can't, um, you can't do this from top down. They, they're not waiting to be told what to do and how to do it. You got to give the youth the space at the table to basically choose their own adventure. Um, and I think that's what I love about it the most is when you give them that responsibility and that ownership over the change they're able to make, it's personal to them. And so that's where they find their passion for whatever that problem of practice is that they want to 
impact and try to fix in their school or in their community? I think, um, you know, one of the challenges of youth-led programs is that it is very different from some of the other things they've been involved in. So I think there's um, a establishment of trust and um, being comfortable. So I think it takes a little longer to sort of get youth-led um, off the ground because it's just sort of bringing teens along and saying, this is not student council, this is not you know, Spanish club and how things work. And so, um, at least in my experience, it was, um, you know, three to six months. So I felt like we got to the point where they were really coming and engaging and not looking to um, myself or the guidance counselor or the other adult ally for direction because we were really there um, just to, um, I, I termed it as like, we're kind of like the uh, rumble strips on the side of the road. So we want to keep you safe and we want to make sure that um, these are things that you can actually accomplish. But as far as where, you know, where the conversation goes and, and the ideas, we're just here to sort of ask some questions and help you think through as you develop those ideas. But I'm not here to tell you this is what we have to do, put an agenda in front of you or say, these are the things we did last year and we still have to do those. And I think that was a very hard concept for teens because I think as Sanessa said, it, it is very different. Um, and so you have to, I think that that trust and comfort level has to be there for them to feel like, okay, I'm driving the bus, not you. And therefore I can determine where we go. Um, so I think that's, that's a challenge to get to that point. But I think um, once you get there, um, great things happen. Yeah, it's difficult to get out of that mindset of top down. And it's not just difficult for the kids, it's difficult for the adults. And sometimes you think you just finally get in the right mindset of I'm letting them take the wheel. And then you realize they're waiting. Like, wait, oh, well, aren't you gonna tell us? No, I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> you gotta you gotta figure out what matters to you and what you're gonna do about it. So I think it's it really trust is an important thing like you said travis you got to find that that mutual trust and respect between the adult ally and the students to find that safe zone where everybody's like okay we we've got to switch our mindset on this and take a different direction i think the other thing i would throw into that um that i think you hit on Sanessa as well is that um as somebody that does other youth-led programs, I think as adults, we're very um, honed in on like, we need to see deliverables, we need to see things happen. And in youth-led, um, things do happen, but it may not be on a timeline um, that you're used to seeing. And so, especially if you have reoccurring, you know, in, in my role with extension and in, in for youth development, you know, we have things like fair board and camp counselors and things happen every year in a process. And so decisions are made and things are implemented much faster um, and sort of on a schedule. And I think in youth led, we have to really be cognizant and train ourselves as adult allies to understand that if it's six months and we've met with them 18 times and all we've really had is conversation, that's still valuable, right? <laughs> and we need to value that and not think, okay, we've met for six months and 
and they've gotten nothing accomplished because they really have. But when you think about, you know, tangible, whether it's, you know, like implementation of a program or deciding on a problem of practice, I think um, that's one of the things that if, we, if we've been involved, at least as adults and other youth leadership programs, there, there is a focus around, you know, sort of the, the accomplishments or deliverables and, and in youth led, um, they happen, but definitely not on the same timeline um, as we might be used to with others. I would totally agree with that. Thank you both. So I'm hearing a little bit about some of the challenges that also occur in those initial stages. So we heard a little about recruitment, a little about building trust. Um, Sunas, I'm curious in your experience, when you came into working with your youth-led program, what was the most difficult um, for you in those early stages? Well, um, I think it's kind of what we already said. It's getting out of that mindset of the top-down group management. Um, because like you both, both groups, the adults and the students have to get on board with approaching it differently. Um, and then outside of just the adult ally and the students, you also have to get the buy-in from your, either your admin or other people in your community to give these kids room at the table and get them to broaden their perspective a little bit and step back from their own personal agenda to say, oh, wait a minute, the future of our community really is these kids. So we need to give them a voice to be heard and some input because they're the ones we're ultimately leaving it to their voice matters. And I think that's probably, especially in a, in a rural, you know, patriarchal society where, you know, we do the things the way we've always done them. That's probably one of the biggest hangups is getting people to, to change the way they've always done it. So I would, I guess I would add on to that. Um, I think I agree with all of that, Sanessa. You know, one of the things that, that we ran into that was really a challenge was um, how to, um, one, engage youth in instances where they felt comfortable. So when we think about our, our um, prevention and recovery council, um, you know, getting them to the point where they felt like it was of interest and value for them to be there and they felt like the input they gave was, was taken seriously. Um, and I, you know, I'm not gonna proclaim to be the expert, but I definitely saw some generational, right, differences in how people perceive. And so I saw from that group, like, well, are they ever gonna do anything? And it's like, well, <laughs> it's, it's a youth-led prevention group. And, you know, at this point, this is where they've gotten to. Um, but it's, it's sort of that, um, I, I see it as sort of the, I'm a student in the school, here's what I see among my peers. Oh, I'm a mental health professional or I'm an education person and here's what I see among people that I interact with. And there was a huge disconnect there. And so really both sides being open to saying, okay, here's what I see at Vinton County High School. These are the real problems I see. 
these might be what you see among adults in the community, but they're very different. Um, maybe not like this side and this side different, but they're very different. And so really figuring out, um, you know, where does, you know, uh, Prevention and Recovery Council that wants to do education, right, of adults and youth, understanding that what they, without the youth voice, might think is important is not touching these things that, that teens are identifying or are concerns I have among peers in my, in my school. So that was, for me, was one of the most difficult, and I'm not sure that we've gotten to where I really want to be, but it's been a process, so it'll continue to be a, an evolution to get to my ideal situation in my head of how that all ought to work out, so. Yeah, sometimes it's complicated um, to get adults in the, in the situation to have an awareness of those intervening variables that are a root cause of their the problem that they want to fix you know you can't just slap a band-aid on it you got to work on work on those root causes too and uh, i think youth-led does a good job at focusing on that as well it's so interesting and i appreciate you both raising the issue of like the the community and other adults and how you prepare and negotiate with those stakeholders because i think so frequently when we start a youth-led program we focus so much on like the work with the young people and ultimately with youth-led programs since they're implementing change within the community and their own strategies to affect change we don't always think, I think, as adult allies about that broader context that we have to navigate and negotiate to ensure that young people are able to move forward with their plans. It sounds like there's a lot of um, things that we as adult allies need to know in order to start a youth-led program. I'm wondering, uh, Sunessa, if you can talk about what some of the core knowledge pieces are that you think adult allies need to know um, in order to begin a youth-led program? Well, this was something that was important for me because when I first started, not only was I new to youth-led, but I was new to prevention in general, right? So I feel like adult allies benefit from understanding the strategic prevention framework. Uh, the, the SPIF applies to youth-led by guiding the group in how they will begin with an assessment um, and what, that's, what that student's community needs or whether they're focusing on their, their school culture or their community as a whole. Um, it teaches them how to build capacity um, to adequately reflect the diversity of their school culture like Travis was talking about with student council. You know, you don't, you can't really adequately reflect your school or your community by just having the top the top of the top involved. You've got to have people from all sectors. You've got to have more diversity. Um, and that the SPIF also then moves into the planning and the implementation of their problem of practice and the root causes. And then what I think is probably one of the most important parts is the evaluation you know, 
is what they thought was going to work did it work and if it didn't work how do we recalculate and and adjust our sales to do something different to still reach the goal we were looking for or maybe we found that there's a bigger issue here um that we need to re renavigate towards um i think that's probably the biggest piece of knowledge that adult allies need to have is understanding that framework and how it applies to the students and how to how to lead them through through all of that what i would agree with that um i think it was as somebody um in my shoes came in with no prevention background so um really a passion for um youth and their ability to lead um as well as as make an impact or or change in something um you know the the spiff was um a necessary tool for me to learn how to use so um i would say honestly you know when i first started it was like i can pull a group together and we can have a discussion but i'm not sure what this is going to look like or how to get to where i think we you know that group needs to be so that sort of framework is is a great way to um learn um as an adult ally um but also to help youth um to help guide youth because i think without that um it's really hard for us to as an adult ally whether you have prevention background or not to kind of figure out how you're going to get to sort of the end result whatever that might be or the the uh um, in product that you want to deliver or the impact you want to make. And so um, for me, you know, I think as somebody that came in with probably um, not very much knowledge related to how to have to make a youth led program successful, <laughs> um, I feel like, you know, that was um, definitely one of the pieces that helped. Um, frame it and allow us to kind of go through it step by step as an adult ally. It just makes it simple. And it's something that I think that we as adults, but also the kids can use that in so many different areas of their, of their life. And they start learning how to apply that way of, of thinking and problem solving to, to other areas that they encounter. So there are certain knowledge pieces that are foundational um, to facilitating a youth-led program. And then there's also some skills that we know adult allies need to have in order to facilitate these programs as well. Um, Travis, what do you think are some of the key skills that adult allies need in order to facilitate a youth-led program? For me, so um, a couple things come to mind. So the ability to, um, build partnerships or relationships with others. So whether the others are um, organizations, whether others are um, other adults, I think the ability to um, pull together teens and be open to um, teen voice, I guess, 
I think the ability to, you know, a skill is for me, I guess, to be successful is really figuring out um, how to communicate on a on a on several fronts, right? So how to communicate, okay, I know what the spiff is now, and now I have to figure out how to communicate that to you as as a group of teenagers, right? Um, but I think beyond that, just communication in general is definitely a skill of, of how do you work with youth because it's very different than working with adults um, on a lot of fronts. And so um, I don't think you have to necessarily have experience working with youth, but I definitely think you have to have um, a skill set to understand um, that communication um, with teens. Um, a lot of times looks very different than working with an adult audience. So. I'll agree with that, Travis. Communication, big, big, big. You've got to know how to communicate authentically because they will call your bluff. <laughs> they know if you're being real or not. Um, I would also say building group cohesion is, is a skill that adult allies need to have. You can't, can't skim over that fluff. Um, it's important because you're bringing people from different walks of life and different backgrounds and you're, you're wanting them to work together, but they don't have, they're not looking through the same lens of experience. So you've got to build that group cohesion among them so that they can lock arms and look forward instead of looking across the table at each other and only seeing differences. Um, and I think you just really have to start by building relationships with your youth and finding their strengths because um, they don't even know what their strengths are. And they just get told all the time what to do and how to do it. So if you can find their strengths and show them how they can use their strengths to make an impact on their community, that's invaluable. Um, what one person might look at a kid and be like, they talk too much okay, we're going to use that. How can we use that <laughs> to benefit the group as a whole and to show them that that's a strength that they have? Um, it's just, but it's still just all of that even still just comes back to the communication. So I think you hit the nail on the head. I would agree, Sanessa, and I'm glad you um, brought up cohesion because I think, um, you know, one of the things that um, we ran into is once you pull multiple kids in that maybe at no point in their career have ever worked together or even been in a class together, right? They've never at any point um, had any sort of communication or interaction with those students that go to their school. Um, that cohesion point, um, I think it's just vital because if you don't do that, my experience was that you might get a group of kids in a room, but when you talk about the group voice, you only hear from some and others don't ever contribute um, because they don't feel comfortable doing that. So that cohesion, I think it is, as Sanessa pointed out, is, is vital to making sure that that group um, is really, um, everybody in that group is providing their voice for whatever we're doing to move forward. And if you don't have that, um, you might have multiple kids in a 
in a room, but you don't really have a cohesive voice about this is what we want to do as a group. And so it's really an extensive skill set that you need to have in order to successfully facilitate a youth led program. And we know that there's also certain dispositions or attitudes that also help when facilitating or starting your youth led program. So Sunessa, I'm wondering if you can speak to some of those dispositions or attitudes that you think are important for adult allies. Yeah, I mean, I just think it really comes down to you have to be real and relatable. Being an adult ally means leading by example through the victories and the trials. Things aren't always going to work out and they have to see you model how you handle things not coming through the way you intended it. Um, an adult ally has to be trustworthy and honest. Otherwise, those kids from all those diverse groups don't feel safe to step out of their comfort zone. So you've got to show them that they're safe to be themselves and that who they are when they come to the table is valuable. Yeah, I would. So a couple of things she said that I pick you pick up on is, you know, sort of that safe, um, you know, something I and not just youth led, but any youth group is, you know, I my role as a facilitator or adult ally um, is really to provide um, a safe space. Right. And understanding that, yes, there are going to be things that don't work. Um, and we actually learn more from those. So I always relate, go back to a test, right? So they're used to school. I have to get so many right because I get a score. And I said, well, which ones do you remember? What's well, the ones you missed on the test, right? Once you found out the right answer, you remember that way longer than the ones you answered correctly. And so um, I always um, relate that my, you know, my job as an adult ally is to create um, a safe environment to say, Let's try these things and there's no harm done if they don't work, but we want to evaluate them and learn from them so we don't repeat the same mistakes. It's very different than what they're used to in the classroom. So taking it, you know, from the classroom setting of you have to get everything right if you want to get 100% versus in this space to me it's like okay. We do our planning right we use the spiff and we've gone through. Um, the process and we feel like we have a really good plan for sort of making this impact and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and that's okay. Yeah, I think that's why that evaluation part is so important because it could look great on paper and it can be the most well thought out plan and then it just falls flat with their peers anything else with disposition or attitude that you think is important for an adult ally? I guess I would say it's from attitude, and we've said this a couple times, I think just um, value in, in student voice or youth voice and the impact um, that they can have and the understanding that their lens per se may look very different than other youth audiences as well as adult audiences, but you just have to sort of value that perspective. And if you're not open to valuing other perspectives, I think um, that's definitely an attitude that will not make you successful as an adult ally. Um, because I think that um, you just have to, I guess, 
that sort of openness to all perspectives and looking at it. Because if you've, if you've never worked with a youth led group, um, you know, you're probably going to have some surprises along the way when you interact with teens. And so you have to be um, open to those um, when they're providing you valuable feedback, feedback and not necessarily set in your mind about what you you want to do you can't have an attitude that i'm older and i know better you know you gotta you gotta give them room at the table and their their perspective is very valuable and you you have to come in with that mindset you have to be open to hearing what they say and encouraging them like we talked about you know leading through the victories and trials, you have to encourage them to step out of their comfort zone and overcome that fear of failure. A lot of adolescents have a huge fear of failure. So they want to get that right answer. And when things flop, it's crushing. So when you lead them out of that with, it's okay. We're gonna we're gonna recalculate this. We're gonna we're gonna figure out a different way, and that that's why I think that evaluation part is so important because that's the resilience that you build in them. So you both have shared a lot of wisdom with us today, and I'm wondering if you each could share um, one piece of final advice that you would give to listeners about getting started as an adult ally with a youth-led program. Um, and we'll have Travis go first for this. I guess a final advice is you have the opportunity to engage with youth-led, absolutely do it, even though um, you might think that you don't have the skills or the knowledge to do it or that it may feel uncomfortable. Sometimes you're flying the plane while you build it, right? <laughs> um, I would say that you have to come to the table with a healthy mindset. Uh, these students are the future leaders of our society, um, whether you believe that or not. So they do deserve respect and they do have a lot to offer. One of the most valuable phrases um, that, I, that keeps the students at the forefront of the work for me is nothing about us without us. If it has to do with them, they need to be a part of it. Well, thank you both for taking time today to share um, some thoughts and perspectives for others who may be interested in getting started with a youth-led program. And I think through this conversation, one thing that really continuously resonated with me is just the value of an adult ally. We want young people to lead, but we know we need skilled adult allies in order for young people um, to have those opportunities. So thank you both for the time and dedication that you put in on a daily basis to making youth-led programs in Ohio a reality. Thank you for joining us today on the Ohio Adult Allies podcast. If you would like more information on our work, visit us at ohioadultallies.com. You can find more episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and other platforms by searching Ohio Adult Allies.